This is Mental Selling. This is the sales podcast for people that are dedicated to making a difference in customers' lives and have a purpose beyond just a paycheck. I'm your host, Will Milano. Let's get right into the show. Sales managers are the pivot point for any sales team to reach and exceed their goals. But true sales leadership isn't about managing numbers and pipeline. It's about creating a culture where people are put first and salespeople feel secure that they're supported, heard, motivated, and clear about their goals. Welcome again to Mental Selling, your favorite sales podcast. I'm Will Milano with Integrity Solutions. And Helen Finucci joins me today. Helen is a transformational sales leader with Microsoft, where she leads a team of cloud solutions architects and customer success managers. Her recently released book is called Love Your Team, a survival guide for sales managers in a hybrid world. And she also has her own podcast, also aptly called Love Your Team, which discusses strategies that sales managers can put into action to build stronger team cultures and deliver outsized business performance while retaining top talent. Helen, thank you so much for being with us today on Mental Selling. Well, thanks for having me, Will. So appreciated. And for anyone that either is or is considering getting into a sales manager role, this is going to be, I think, very, very enlightening. Um, let's jump right in. When we talk about sales culture, it can be interpreted a lot of different ways, right? And and also end up being sort of nebulous. From your perspective, what does a great sales culture look like to you and why does it matter? Yeah, it's a really good question. So when I think about culture, I think about the um, behaviors, norms, values uh, inside an organization. It's up to the sales manager to create the team culture. And my belief is that managers, first and foremost, need to pay attention to their team members and get to know their team and what each individual cares about and figure out how they're going to support that team member so they can be as successful, not only personally fulfill their career ambition, but also successful in terms of delivering business results. And the first step really is, to, is for the manager to have a strategy around building, a, building trust and a relationship with their team specifically. And that's um, kind of covered in my book in a section called Conversations of Connection. And uh, I think that that's really job one to build a strong team culture. And I'm, I'm glad you touched on the idea of, of trust. And we talk all the time about the importance of salespeople building trust and credibility with customers and always genuinely doing what's right for the customer at all times. But the relationship between the sales manager and the salesperson has a big impact on that, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I'm so glad you mention the expectation of sellers to build trust and relationship with customers. Because one of the things I say all the time is that it's the manager is modeling the behavior by building that trust, transparency, connection uh, with the seller that they expect the seller to demonstrate with the customer. Customers aren't going to buy unless they trust who they're working with not only on the sale, the seller front, but also 
the company that the seller represents. Yeah, the, the customer can tell inherently if a salesperson is acting in their best interest. They just can. And the same way, I think a yeah. salesperson knows in their gut if a sales leader has their best interest at heart, too. For sure. And one of the things with COVID is expectations of employees have changed. And the manager really needs to understand that. So flexibility, as an example, is a requirement. And, and individuals want to be known as whole people with families. Fundamentally, we're human. We're not a work self and a home self. Yeah. And so really the, the skills needed of a manager are, are much more holistic in terms of relationship and empathy and things like that. Yeah, I'm glad you, you touched on, on that. And it's around this idea of the accelerated shift. And I say accelerated because I think the shift to hybrid work was, was already happening before COVID. But, but how did the accelerated shift to hybrid make sales leadership, sales management so much more essential and probably challenging at the same time? For leaders who were accustomed to having their sales teams in the office on a sales floor, um, they need to implement new strategies. And one of the things I think is critical is to establish outcome-based goals and objectives, not activity-based. Because honestly, on a day-to-day -day basis, how a seller spends their time really isn't my concern if they're delivering the overall outcomes and goals established. And I think that there's a comfort for some leaders who are, you know, used to building relationships kind of in person. So how do you do that through a remote mechanism? And I think maybe it takes practice, but I've been leading remote teams for over 25 years. And so to me, it wasn't that big of a shift, but I can understand if people are kind of looking at their team and trying to understand how they're doing and coaching them in the moment based on conversations they might be having, they've got to really shift their focus to, okay, what are the outcomes we want to drive, whether it's pipeline coverage, or expanding the footprint of the relationships in a large enterprise account. Because not all goals that I set for my team are revenue-based. Some of them are expanding relationships, so they're relationship-based or culture-based. I have the expectation that my sellers are building strong team cultures because they're, in essence, a sales leader mobilizing you know, maybe up to 50 people within Microsoft to provide value for that customer. And so it's its own microcosm of a culture. And if they don't know how to lead and delegate and um, have impact through influence, because nobody reports to them directly, then that's something that gets addressed through coaching and performance management and examples and things like that. So the goals that you have for your sellers can be quite varied, but you can still do that remotely. And sellers now are selling remotely. Yeah. Like customers are not back in the office either. Right. 
And so it's really different how they sell, and it's not all in person anymore. And I, th I think what you said about being outcomes-focused versus activity-focused, it directly relates to that trust idea, right? Because any leader, period, who is getting into the weeds of how somebody is doing their job day-to-day -day is sending a clear message, right? That they're not trusting their team. And what people really want, what sales reps really want, I think, is to make sure that they're clear on what what direction their compass should be pointed in, and then let them get there the way they see fit. Yeah, you know what? I learned that early in my career. I thought when I first became a manager like 25 years ago that my job was to tell my team what to do. And I realized quickly that they have way better ideas than what I could come up with. And frankly, your top talent is not going to tolerate being told how to do their job. I, I love what you wrote also about finding out what matters to your team members. And that probably, that's something that has to happen very early on, right? It's a simple idea, but it's something a lot of sales managers may end up glossing over. Yeah. And it varies. You know, you might think, oh, they want to maximize their income. Otherwise they wouldn't be in sales. And that may be true, but it could be flexibility it could be career ambition. I had a seller that wanted to move from um, India to, the, to America. Mm -hmm. And so that was something I supported and we worked on. I had three sellers that wanted to become managers. And so we worked on that. And all three of them are now uh, first level managers. And so that included, you know, letting them, giving them the opportunity to stand in for me when I was on vacation, doing job shadowing, coaching, various things. So really trying to understand what is the ambition of that individual and what matters to them in their life um, and how, how you're going to support them. Because that's part of helping them fulfill their, their goals and dreams. Because if it can't be served on your team or in your company, they're going to leave. Right. And so um, it just, to me, it just makes good business sense too. So th that's a good segue to the next thing I wanted to um, ask you about, which is let's talk about the profile of who makes a good sales leader, both from the standpoint of the, the company that may be looking to fill their leadership pipeline and from the individual. So what do, what do companies need to be looking for as far as traits, attributes, so that they don't just end up knee-jerk promoting their top performer into a manager role? And also from the individual, what does the individual sales performer need to understand and, and realize to help them make the decision about whether or not he or she wants or aspires to get into a sales leadership role? That is such a big question, and it's so critical. So on the company hiring sales leaders or deciding if they're going to promote a seller into leadership role. You know, I think that there's a lot of attributes. There's, you know, fundamental skills and expertise associated with the selling process and methodology being deployed. So some kind of familiarity around that, but also I would say a track record of relationship building, not only with customers, but being able to talk about how an individual works across a team to deliver results. Because, you know, 
a lot of people think, okay, I am the manager now. I can get things done. I'm the boss. Well, influence matters whether you're an individual contributor or the boss. You can't make people do right. things. And so how are you going to go about what are the soft skills in terms of mobilizing a team, being able to have empathy, understanding, build relationships, trust? And I think during the interview process, the interviewers need to dig into how those what would be, I guess, classified as soft skills um, show up in behavioral examples. Now, you know, there is a lot of evidence that the old way of, you know, doing things isn't effective anymore. It's really about the relationships and the trust and connection built. And so if you have a leader that wants to come in or has a track record of really, you know, I can make my team deliver the results, that can only go for so long because nobody wants to live in fear or under the thumb of a leader and they will leave or at least the top talent will leave. And then on the flip side, for an individual considering joining a team, there's, you know, managers have a reputation and companies have a reputation. So is the manager known for developing talent, for um, leading a team? What is the kind of um, the gossip, if you will, which is easier to figure out if you're inside the company. But if you're coming from outside the company, you've got to do your best to try to use your network to assess the company culture and then that culture of that individual team. So you might look at and see what companies those leaders, that leader has worked for, what roles, because some companies have different organizational cultures that might align to the individual better than mm. others. Yeah, it, it, you've got to uncover, I think, from the individual, does the idea of developing others and that being your primary job, does that make them excited? Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty clear about my stance on this, which is if you don't care for your team, if you don't want to develop your team, if you don't want to put your attention on your team, don't be a right. manager. I mean, full stop. When you get into a sales manager role, the team is your customer. Absolutely. Yes. The team is your number one customer for sure. And you know what? If you're not also addressing performance issues, that's an issue. Your top talent won't stick around because right. nobody wants to be on a team that doesn't have a great reputation for delivering results. So uh, in your book, there are 17 conversations that's, uh, that you say sales managers must master to succeed in a world where top talent can walk out the door at any time. Um, we don't have time to review all 17, but from your perspective, what are some of the, the most essential ones that you, that you talk about in the book? Yeah, well, that's a good question. So how do you introduce yourself to your team? You're a new manager and you're likely taking on a team that's already in place rather than building a team from scratch. And so what's your strategy for how you introduce yourself? And I go through in each of the conversation chapters you know, the purpose of the conversation, how to conduct the conversation, assessing if it worked, et cetera. So what I do 
um, in that example is I will set up a meeting for my team and then I will have three slides and I will introduce myself and a little bit about my background and career. But it's really all about the focus is about my team members. What do they need to know about me in order to support them? So then my second slide is what is my management approach and philosophy? What do I value? How can they work with me? So for example, the kinds of things I have is, you know, outcome-based expectations, you know, communicate uh, authentically, transparency, no surprises, people first, you know, things like that. And then the third slide is, okay, here's what you can expect going forward, which is an initial one-on-one. I just want to get to know you. You don't need to come prepared. And then a cadence of ongoing one-on-ones. So I really think the the conversations of connection and establishing a foundation of relationship and trust building is probably the most important section of the conversation chapters, because without that, it's hard to be successful um, with the other conversations. So just real quickly, the five sections are conversations of connection. Then there's conversations of performance setting outcome-based performance, monitoring performance, performance management, then conversations of strategy. And that's really strategy around, it could be all manner of things, whether how to get an executive to spend time with your customer, um, leading cross-functional teams, trying to figure out the deal mechanics and proposal. Then there's conversations of customer engagement, and conversations of internal alignment. Because in a large enterprise organization, about 50% of my seller's time is working internally at Microsoft Mm -hmm. to be able to deliver our best to our customers. So we've we've started to get into the the coaching area, and I really want to spend time on that with you. And, And one of the big things that we see is that way too often sales leaders, especially people that are newly promoted, maybe have not been in a leadership role before, they're told to go out and coach, right? But as a result, for the most part, it's not clear to them what that really means. So in your perspective, how do you differentiate between leading, managing, and coaching? What what does great coaching really look like and do for sales organizations? Well, I ascribe to a coaching philosophy I learned through a book and a course called The Coaching Habit. And it is really about asking good questions. Because if the seller presents a problem to me, do I really know enough about the customer situation off the bat? Probably not. So I ask clarifying questions and I I try to really understand the situation. And then I also will ask, okay, well, what is it that you need from me now? Or how can I be most helpful to you? Because it's it's kind of like leading the seller to come up with their own solution because they really have a better sense of the full picture. And through that conversation, they end up seeing different options or will brainstorm different options. And they may ask me what I think, And I will give them pros and cons of my perspective. 
but it's really to help them act autonomously and to help them think through a situation. And I, I use the word coaching distinct from feedback. Feedback is kind of basically talking about observed behaviors or things that or feedback that I've gotten that where they have done a fabulous job and this is why it works so well, or maybe they didn't do as well as they could have and some ideas about how they could have done it better. And one of the things I do when my sellers are putting together a proposal for a customer and they need to present to the deal review board is I have them do that presentation and I'm in the background with my video off I take notes, I take action items um, that come up during the conversation so my seller can be present. And it does three things. It gives the seller visibility to senior leadership and they become visible to senior leadership who are the um, arbitrators of you know the decision mm-hmm. on whether or not the investments being asked for are gonna be granted for that customer deal. Secondly, it builds confidence and skills with a seller to do that kind of presentation. And I expect sellers to own the full sales cycle, and that's a piece of the sales cycle. And thirdly, it gives us the opportunity to debrief. And I've been in the meeting. I've taken actions. Did we accomplish what we hope to accomplish? So that's an example of coaching, but also it could be mixed with feedback on observable behaviors or and then we strategize on next steps. I think a, a couple of things you touch on that couldn't agree with you more. And it was around the idea of helping the salesperson be autonomous and come up with answers that very often he or she has in, in themselves that they just need your help to bring out. And when you do those things versus just giving them the answers, it drives their motivation, doesn't it? It helps them be more confident and bigger believers in their own ability versus if you're just giving them, you know, here's what you should do. Yes. Yes. I think that that's true, that they can rely on themselves. But also, I literally don't know the right answer because I'm not in the nuances of the situation. And so it it really requires clarifying and understanding and digging deeper like if, you know, if they ask me a question and they, you know, I often won't have any idea really what direction or what advice to give them. So there's a sort of an absurdity in that without really understanding and clarifying. And so it's, it's always a conversation, I think. Um, And it's not really a binary, do this, do that. So I do want them to be self motivated and autonomous in it. I think it builds critical thinking skills too. Oh, yes, absolutely. Critical thinking skills are a big part of what salespeople need to to develop. And I think, you know, part of what we talk about a lot is that too often, especially new sales leaders, they will mistake having one-on-ones and reviewing pipeline and numbers and forecasts for coaching. They'll say, well, I sat down and I did all that. And so I'm coaching my people. And it's like, that's not coaching. That's that's an important piece of it, but that's managing, right? That's that's a whole different piece. Yeah, you know, that's in the that so that's to me monitoring performance. Yeah. You know, do they have the pipeline coverage? What's their confidence in closing a deal? What's their forecast? 
is the manager looking at forecast accuracy? The seller forecasted a million dollars to close. Did they hit that? What was their plus or minus, you know, percent? Are they 30% off? That's terrible forecasting. So it's it's assessment of deal control and also relationships that, you know, do they know what they need to do to actually close it? So I consider that kind of in the category of, you know, sales management, performance management, checking in, having a mechanism to assess where we no, are. I agree. I agree. And, and coaching conversations, should they look differently for different people or do coaching conversations, are they sort of cookie cutter regardless of who the rep is that you're speaking with? Well, the approach might be similar, like the questions, oh, can you tell me more? Or what are you looking to accomplish here? I might say the same words, but the conversations are vastly different because the situation is different. And also the skill or the focus area of the seller might be really different. Mm-hmm. You know, one seller might be trying to figure out how to work more effectively across the team. Another seller might be trying to strategize how to get access to a CFO and the um, situations become different and how the seller thinks about uh, where are they going to take ownership themselves versus delegate and how, how confident are they? I mean, we're all so individual that there, it isn't a cookie cutter conversation. It's really different seller to seller in terms of how the coaching goes. Yeah. You have to adapt to people where they are, right? Based on their situation, their experience, their, their motivations, all those things. And, and and this question goes back to sort of the, the shift to hybrid thing. You had talked about scheduling one-on-ones on a regular basis, which of course is, is important, but does coaching always have to be some formal scheduled sit down? Not at all. In fact, most often for me, it's not. So on the one-on-ones, I, I, my standard is every other week, every two weeks, 30-minute conversation that the seller creates the agenda and what's top of mind for mm-hmm. them. But there are drive-bys all the time, and some sellers do it more often than not. I make myself available on IM or text messaging and let me know if I can help. And some sellers want to ideate more and you know have a conversation and get ideas. They might want me to review a presentation in advance of a business review as an example for a high stakes customer meeting. So it's not really a formal thing at all as much as on an as needed basis driven by the seller. Or maybe I'm getting feedback from others that the seller works works with and I have some thoughts and ideas about what they could do to be more impactful. Mm-hmm. And so I'll provide that feedback and coaching. And I, I love the the suggestion about for one-on-ones having the seller come up with the agenda. Versus, yes, I always you know. do that. Yes. Um, we talk also a lot about how salespeople, they, they need to feel empowered to stretch themselves and go beyond their comfort zone, right? They may have, they have sort of self-imposed limits on what they think is is possible. But with the right support from a sales manager, they might feel 
or without the right support, they might feel risk averse or that they can't ask for help or that they might be penalized if they try something that goes wrong. How, how have you seen sales leaders be able to help salespeople go beyond what they might feel is possible for themselves? Well, I'm going to kind of talk about two facets. One is um, at Microsoft under Satya, our new CEO, not so new, but since 2014, our CEO, he implemented and brought forward the idea of a growth mindset that we're all able to learn and grow. Where the previous culture was more about you should be a know-it-all and we present, you know, make sure you have everything buttoned down. So in the context of a culture, a, a company culture or the team culture that the sales manager creates, um, I think it's much more effective to have the growth mindset that we're all learning and growing. And so in that context, it's like, okay, so it that then means that it's okay to make mistakes. Let's learn from our mistakes and figure out how we move forward. And then the second aspect I would say to your question is challenging a seller to move out of their comfort zone. So an example is um, we changed expectations of roles. We always are changing job descriptions and roles. And we wanted sellers to be much more connected with senior executives, particularly line of business executives, yeah. as opposed to IT. And then we had another role, a technical seller that should be taking the lead on IT. Well, getting some of the sellers to move out of IT and build and have line of business or business conversations was uncomfortable for some. And so there were some things that I did and they did. So for example, let's bring in an executive that we partnered with that you could have a CFO to CFO executive, or maybe you have a product manager talking to a chief HR officer about, you know, employee engagement capability. And then the seller ends up becoming more comfortable as they are there with those senior executives having the customer conversation. Mm -hmm. And it also is kind of bait in the bucket, if you will, because they line of business executive, they want to meet with somebody who's probably an executive from our company, not just a seller. And so that was a way of building comfort, if you will, for a, a sell, seller that might not be, they might not know how to go about doing that. And so there was that aspect as well, is kind of providing the path forward or handholding, if you will, to provide more of a comfort. Yeah. What are some things that you think sales managers tend to assume that their people want and need that they actually don't? Um, I think uh, there's an assumption that sellers want to be promoted and take on more responsibility, maybe become managers. And some sellers absolutely don't want yeah. that. They want, you know, growth and opportunity, but not necessarily take on people responsibility. There's also, I think, an assumption sometimes that sellers want to do everything themselves, that they're kind of lone wolf kind mm. of personalities. And that might have worked in the past, but in the innovation economy, that absolutely does not work. 
because nobody can know everything about everything. What we sell is too complex. And so the skill set of working across uh, teams, working with other people, you if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, uh, go together. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's an assumption sometimes that sellers are team, often a, a sales team are, in, you know, a, really individuals that it's only team by name, but actually everyone has their own account. And so actually they kind of operate independently. And so I think that there's a mistaken assumption that sellers want to do everything themselves. And I think that's a mistake. And this goes back to the, um, a bit about coaching, but what do you, what do you see as the role that coaching plays when it comes to training and, and development of, of salespeople. I think a lot of sales managers or organizations, they, they can decouple those two. And, and that's a mistake, isn't it? I think that um, it's a tricky question because a sales manager absolutely needs to provide coaching and kind of, you know, in the moment, on the job training, if you will. But I think that the sales manager can't be all things to all people either. So there's domain expertise a sales manager has, but the um, enablement organization or consultants absolutely play a role. So for example, I don't teach presentation skills. Mm. I learn presentation skills from a consultant and it's something I'm always working on or, you know, Microsoft hires presentation skill companies, mm-hmm. change management skills. We use ProSci. There's a lot of specifics that accrue to success in a seller's role that it, a manager really, it would be above and beyond the scope of a manager's capability. So I think that it has to be a complementary set of training to go alongside the managers, coaching and leadership and expectations of the role and kind of situational thing that happens when you see your team in action. And so I think what's really required is the leader, the manager needs to be invested in the development of their people for the training to be reinforced and to be effective. I think a one and done training isn't as effective as ongoing opportunities to practice that capability and skill that the seller is trying to develop or the seller needs to develop. Yeah. And that, that's in, in part what I was thinking is that idea that it's training as a one and done is a big mistake and that coaching is, uh, is not just an opportunity, but it's essential to reinforcing those things on a consistent basis because that's that's where the actual behavior change will happen over time, right? Yeah, I think yeah. that that's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, lastly, I was going to ask what what do you think if there was one thing that salespeople should be asking of their sales managers that perhaps they're they might be too hesitant to vocalize? What would that be? What advice would you give them? Well, what comes to mind is how can you support me and my success, but that might be a little bit too open-ended of a question. So perhaps the seller asking the leader to go, okay, I'm trying to do X, Y, Z. 
can you help me here? You know, I think that it sellers can feel vulnerable and feel like that's a risky thing to ask for help. But I actually think that they need to leverage all their resources, the positional power of the manager and, you know, the ideas from the manager to be optimally successful. So I would I would ask for help. Yeah, I think you're right. That idea, like get past the idea that asking for help is a sign of weakness, right? Yeah. Right. No, that's really good advice. Uh, we are going to end here. Helen, thank you so much again for giving us your time and, and sharing your experiences and insights. This has been been very, very good. Thank you. You bet. Thank you for having me, Will. I appreciate it. And for our listeners, you can find and follow Helen Finucci on LinkedIn. And again, both her book is called Love Your Team, A Survival Guide for Sales Managers in a Hybrid World. And her podcast is also called Love Your Team. And I highly recommend both of those to you. Um, thanks to all of you for the gift of your time today, listening to our show. And we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode in two weeks. I'm Will Milano with Integrity Solutions and have a fantastic rest of your day wherever you are. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you've enjoyed this episode of Mental Selling. Please make sure that you're subscribed. And as always, leave us a comment or a rating, share it with your networks. You'll get more content like this on our website at integritysolutions.com. Until next time, I'm Will Milano with Integrity Solutions. Thanks very much again for being with us.